to briefly take you through some of the most important characters from season one. I know we recapped the plot so you got to know them a little bit, but we will go into some tiny details of who they are, what makes them tick, what we like, what we don't like about them. Here we go. Let's just start with Uther. So I have them kind of going in number order and then we get into other side characters. We're not yeah. supposed to love Luther. He always thinks he's right. He also shoulders all of the responsibility, but it's almost like he's shouldering responsibility for the wrong things because he's like committed to missions that are fake. He is very sensitive. He's not this like big hulking hothead. He's really insecure. He's really sensitive, but I don't feel bad for him because he causes most of his own problems by being so stubborn. He's often kind of an ass, but in an ignorant way, like he doesn't have a lot of tact. He'll say something at completely the wrong time. Mm -hmm. He'll press a point that is not important in the moment. I put the, he's like a dumb hunk that's been taken to extremes. Yeah. The worst possible iteration of a himbo. <laughs> it's true. And this is somewhat of a minor spoiler, but he is a himbo in the best possible way by season yeah. three. And there's Diego, who I, <laughs> I wrote beta complex to the max. But what's difficult about that is that he's not kind of a true beta. It's because I don't really think Luther is an alpha. But I just think that <laughs> I just think that Diego's so made to feel like he's a beta and he has that complex about him so much. Yeah. Like he spent his entire life trying to prove that he's actually better than Luther. And I think what feels so frustrating about that to him is that it's a really valid point. Yeah, he's right. Diego is very loyal, but he does not have a lot of patience and he has felt undervalued his whole life and he's not really a team member. The best thing about him for me is that he's a mama's boy through and through and we get yes, to see a lot know? of really soft moments. The two things that redeem him, what Luther doesn't have is his two relationships with women in the show. But I think at the same time, kind of seeing what his hardships have been and what's made him this way. We see a lot of his childhood where he stuttered and he felt really insecure about that. And Grace was there for him. We get to see him experienced the loss of Patch. So we understand why Diego is as hard as he is, but it doesn't mean that his cynicism and jadedness doesn't get annoying throughout the first season. Diego's a very heavy character. Very serious a thousand percent of the time. And next is Allison, who can be a bit of the same. I don't feel like Allison has a lot of levity about her, but Allison does have more in her favor. She is very, very kind. She tries to relate to others and be inclusive. She's very older sisterly in the sense that she like mm -hmm. thinks she's always right. She's like Luther in that regard. They were the oldest two, even though all of these siblings were all born at the same time. Admittedly, I often find Allison annoying for the simple fact that she's so risk adverse and she almost never uses her powers in moments where they would be so incredibly helpful. And I understand why there's background into Allison that we didn't quite get into in the recap, but we come to learn that she rumored her way to the top. We're not given all the information, so no. we're left to wonder exactly how much of her life has she rumored. Did she rumor her husband into loving her? 
you really sort of see her life fall apart when she rumors her daughter and the reaction from her husband is that this is not the first time that that's happened. She loses basically her daughter because of rumoring and she doesn't use her powers the rest of the season except for right when she's trying to convince Vanya to go with her. To leave Leonard. Vanya's not calming down. Vanya just learned that Allison is the reason. She never knew she had powers and Allison goes, I heard a rumor. So that's when Vanya freaks out, slashes her throat because it makes sense. It makes sense. All of the times Allison's so adverse to use her powers and the two times that she decided to use her powers and how horribly wrong those mm-hmm. decisions were. Um, and I definitely have more thoughts on Allison's powers, especially as we get into season three, because her oh. powers, they could very much be used as a big cop-out plot device to make anything we want to happen in the plot happen. But I think just the fact that there are so many scenarios where they would have been useful in a much smaller way, but she just never uses her powers. Well, that's what makes her, I think, complex and compelling, but also very annoying and frustrating in that way, because if she just would use her powers in less risky situations it could go a lot easier for everybody but she won't and then in the moments when you're like that was absolutely not the time to do that is the time she does which makes for very interesting plot development but it makes yeah, it like really she doesn't have very good judgment and she knows it which makes it interesting but just so frustrating yes and then there is klaus who i just wrote sweet baby klaus i also wrote he's the softest boy Klaus, as we all know by now, is a full-blown drug addict. He brings almost all of the humor and levity to the show with him. That He doesn't deserve any of the things that happened to him. He handles everything with humor. I also think he has the hardest life out of all of them. The fact that like he has to be a drug addict to keep his powers at bay. Otherwise, he would just have dead people talking to him all the time. Horrendous. Um, It'd be a hard thing to say that between Allison and Vanya and Ben and Five, like they've all had pretty shit times. But I will say between the last four siblings, they have ridiculously hard lives. Klaus kind of detriment to himself, I think, handles it with humor, which is a lot easier to make him the most likable. He's the easiest to pity. He's the easiest one to like. He's everybody's favorite and not even in the annoying way. It's just you can't not like Klaus. He's the best gotta have a best if you're gonna have seven characters you gotta have one that just goes through the ring undisputed favorite makes everybody smile all the time even though he's terribly tragic five is next i wrote that he's a genius he is a cynic a little bit annoying in that like 12 year old know-it-all way yeah but i love that they've done that because he is that middle school early high schooler who is being a total know-it-all but in this case it's completely valid because he's a 58 year old man And he's such an old soul. He always wants his coffee. He doesn't have time for anybody. His powers are also very fun. He jumps around. He moves. He's like witty with his powers. I love how impatient he is and how like quickly he's always moving. I love Dolores. It's so weird. (laughs) I love that he's in love with a mannequin. Yeah. He understands the fact that she's a mannequin, but he is in love with her. I also think when it comes to like a moral standpoint, you have characters like Luther who are just trying to be 100% morally good all the time. It seems like that's what drives them. Then there's a character like Allison who's all risk adverse. She thinks she's always doing the right thing. There's Diego who's in the vigilante way being like, I'm always doing the right thing. Then you have someone like Five who lives in that gray area, but I put is potentially the most morally focused character because he always has this greater good at mind, which makes him complex. 
he's been an assassin for years. He's killed people. He is the only one the whole time who is kind of behaving in the least selfish way. Yeah. That's what is so interesting about all the siblings is because they're so, so selfish and they all believe they're so righteous. Which with the first three gets so old really fast because they're very much like, I am right and I'm doing what's right, even though I'm fucking up everybody else's lives. And then there's five who's like, I will kill a man, but it'll save the world. And it's not about me. So it's really an interesting play between everybody's motivations. Yeah. And then there is Ben. And the only thing I wrote about Ben is everyone has a favorite, but everyone's favorite is also Ben. If your favorite's not Ben, I don't trust you. <laughs> ben is the best character in the world. It's like your favorite can be Allison, but you also have Ben. Your favorite you can be Fanya, but it's also Ben. <laughs> exactly. Probably the most notes yeah. about Fanya. Yeah. Um, and quickly, I think I do want to address, as we get into talking about Fanya's character, I know that we have also been using a lot of she pronouns. Yes. As we discussed the first season, but I wanted to just make it very clear. Like I've given this a lot of thought about how I wanted to address Elliot Page's transition. And to those of you who are listening at this stage, and maybe you haven't watched season three yet, or you haven't gone and listened to that portion of the podcast, spoiler alert, but in the third season, Vanya transitions to Victor. Um, But in thinking about how we wanted to talk about season one and just discussing Vanya's character using those she, her pronouns kind of as they did on the show, taking the lead from Elliot Page, how Elliot Page has talked about the transition of their character using kind of both she, her, and he, him pronouns as they've made that transition. And it is definitely really cool to see a show Mm -hmm. where there is an actor who has transitioned. Can I plug someone's Reddit? Yeah. Buffalo Whip on Reddit says, I think the crux of the issue is that fictional storytelling is a form of time travel. The timeline of the fictional world doesn't move in objective ways like the real world's timeline. Banya and Victor exist in a subjective reality based on when someone is exposed to this fictional timeline. For someone who watches Umbrella Academy season one in 2027, Banya hasn't transitioned yet, so Banya is Vanya, but once season three hits, Banya is Victor and always has been. It depends on when the viewer views it. It's a really interesting kind of fictional look at like how to refer to trans characters as their transition is baked into this timeline that will always be the present. Even though it's to us history, like season one is history. If we're talking about season one as a present, then Mm -hmm. to everybody watching it and to even the character in that moment, it's Vanya. But an interesting thing I found myself doing naturally is saying Vanya, but using he, him pronouns. And obviously, Elliot Page is a part of the real world and should never, ever be referred to incorrectly. Right. Yeah, it was important to me that we addressed it. And I know it includes a minor spoiler for people who are still in seasons one or two. Definitely goes to show that there has not been enough representation of this kind of thing on TV shows. The fact that it's a topic of conversation of people not understanding how to refer to the character any longer big discussion about how to refer to trans people during their transition in fictional settings. Big discussion and a point I love to go with is if you're not sure, it's not hard to say they, them. So. But talking about Vanya in season one. Yeah. Victor as a character as a whole. There's a lot of notes. Yes. I have a lot of notes on Vanya. And my 
potentially hot take. I know that we've said a lot that feels negative about these characters, but I think I want to stress that they're all very, very complex characters. Oh, yeah. And while some of them don't feel like as immediately likable or relatable as other characters, I do love all of these characters. They make the show, each and every one of them is necessary. Even as much as I hate Luther, you couldn't have the show without a Luther. Yeah, exactly. They all have completely have a place. And I think what makes this a hot take is that I think that potentially a lot of people might really like or relate to Vanya. And I simply do not like Vanya in season one. And I know this is where we're going to disagree. We're definitely going to disagree. But I respect your opinion. Okay, so I will lay out some of my points first and then you can go. And I said, my hot take is that they have always been kind of an ass. And I do get that we're jumping over a long period of their life where they were doing their own thing and kind of alone and not in communication with their siblings and could have been a very lovely, lovely person to know during that time. But our experience of them on the show has just been that they are avoidant, distrusting, and difficult And I get it. They were completely duped and abandoned, which really messed them up as a kid. But even as a kid, we see Vanya be aggressive and mean. I do like this villain aspect that they take on towards the end of the season. But I, again, kind of have issues with this. I did realize that they first display their powers back in episode six, and it's kind of six out of 10. So we're most of the way through before we see that they have powers, but the transition from not knowing they have powers to recognizing they have powers to not understanding how to use or even activate their powers. So then suddenly Vanya is just activating powers left and right. And I get the emotion builds throughout the season and Vanya like is becoming angrier and angrier and angrier and less stable, less stable, less stable. But by the time Vanya is tearing down the mansion, it goes from, I didn't know I was bending street lamps to like, I'm purposefully ripping down floors on people's heads and I'm tearing out walls and I'm fully in control of what my powers are Mm -hmm. doing. And that just for me felt very fast. No, I think that's really fair. I think the stepping out is not really Vanya, but as the white violin, which this isn't them in control. This is just their powers running the show. That's not Vanya at the front. That's just pure rage and power in a hypnosis taking over, which is what makes it feel more believable that they're now able to tear down buildings. It's what's like fascinating and fun to root for is a character that's really flawed because they've been pushed to her brink that they're just like, Fuck it, I'm the bad guy now. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about Leonard or Hargreaves for that matter. Leonard, I just kind of wrote down, he feels untrustworthy. He was too eager. You're kind of always on Allison's side of that relationship where you're like, what is going on here, Leonard? The only question I have is knowing what we know about Leonard and the fact that he wanted to join the Umbrella Academy, what was his plan with Vanya? It's not like hanging out with Vanya would give him powers. They couldn't go start their own Umbrella Academy. No, what I took from it is a little bit like, what's the boy's name? The boy's name from Incredible Boy. Incredible Boy. Syndrome. Syndrome. It felt like a syndrome scenario where he wanted to, he was turned away, he got thrown in prison, and he came out of it being like, I can't join you. I'm going to make sure you guys crumble. I'm going to learn the fact that this person has uncontrollable powers and I'm going to point it back at what I believe ruined my life. Mm. Kind of. That makes sense. With Hargreaves, I wrote that 
we get this image of him as just this horrible, mean, cold, uncaring father. We get the sense that he knows more than he's ever telling any of the siblings, but we hardly know him in season one. You learn, like, kind of the most insane part of his story where he had a wife. She dies of something and he then leaves on a spaceship and ends up in the real Victorian era. It's like you learn like some insane stuff about him, but it's so out there that you're like, I can't, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, You I, don't know what to make sense of. The only I thing that I will it. say is knowing what we know about the plot of season three, I find it very out of character that this man, upon learning that there is an apocalypse, offed himself in order to try to stop it. Next on the characters, I have Pogo and I have Grace. Biggest thing that I always have to say about Pogo and Grace is that I just wish there was more of them and I want to know more about them. They are so fascinating and so compelling. And I love that the size of the role that they play in the show ultimately is pretty small, but you're given so much like fascinating information about them. Like their characters, they did not skimp on. They have like some of the best moments that really like make the other people shine because some of them are so tolerable like pogo i just put always the classy diplomat Mm -hmm. he's probably the most influential character in terms of giving other characters advice he could have accomplished so much more if he ever like really took a stand like he is very very diplomatic he's very in the middle he won't ever trash Hargreaves even though he knows Hargreaves was a horrible father and probably not a good man and for Grace I just put queen shit queen can do no wrong Grace forever I love her I know I have this soft spot for her I love that she is so complex in the sense that even the siblings question how much free will she has they don't find it entirely unbelievable that Grace could have poisoned Hargreaves, even though she's a robot under his control. God, I love her. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. I think she adds a lot to the ambiance of the show. So does Pogo. The fact that they have this like chimpanzee who speaks and who is extremely classy and wise. And then they have like a robot mother. Like Grace and Pogo together feel more like the Umbrella's parents than I think Hargreaves. It just explained the Umbrella's so much more when you look at them and realize that their childhood, they learned most of both their socializing and their humanity from a robot and a chimp. Mm-hmm. Or two of the most like humanly warm characters on the show. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. And then speaking of another fantastic dynamic duo, we have Hazel and Chacha. Who, for those of you who have not seen the show, I do feel like it's worthwhile to describe them a bit more physically than we've done to any other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should look up their, um, actor, the actor's name, who I don't know, but I know that Chacha is Mary J. Blige. Great, I've got Mary J. Blige. It's incredible. <laughs> Cameron Britton. Cameron Britton. So Cameron Britton and Mary J. Blige are this fantastic duo of Hazel and Chacha, where kind of, as we said earlier, Chacha has a soft spot for Hazel Hazel has a soft spot for most things, and yet they're these extremely, extremely bureaucratic characters who almost talk about their assassin job, like, can you believe our benefits are not better? Or like how the commission is now skimping on hotels and they have to stay at motels and there used to be nicer hotels. So it adds so much kind of humor 
in something that would be so <laughs> fucked up. They're both kind of cynical, but Hazel's definitely the optimist of the two. And then, like I said, Chacha, Mary J. Blige's character, is this big hard ass. Her only soft spot that she's ever had is for Hazel, her partner. Mm-hmm. And I love how gray their morality is, where there's lines that they won't cross. You know, like we saw them refuse to kill each other. They'd kill just about anybody else. Um, they're such complex characters And even though our lead characters are at odds with them and they're kind of our adversary for most of the show, their bureaucratic side, I think, makes it so clear that they are part of a bigger bad. They're not even the ultimate bad guy. And we sort of view them as like victims of a system and we want them to get out of it. (laughs) They're just workers in this really kind of insane, messed up company that keeps the timeline. Okay, and then finally, speaking of the handlers, this is Kate Walsh, who is absolutely phenomenal. I put that she is a cocky, emotionless, cunning. I didn't think the ending of that, I didn't think the word was going to be cunning when you started it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, damn. (laughs) I love a villain that is likable. What makes really compelling characters even when they're just straight up evil is how competent they are Mm -hmm. all right thanks for joining us you got to know the season one characters um we'll do the same thing again for season two so after you listen to that recap feel free to jump right into our season two characters peace thanks (laughs) 